reading today is from Romans chapter 9, and it's verses 6 to 9, and that's on page 917 in the Pew Bibles. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Have you ever thought to yourself that God might be failing? Um, God might be failing in his in all his efforts to make this world whole. Maybe you've thought, well, it seems like um, God's tried a few things, but they're not really working. Uh, look at the brokenness in, in my life and look at the brokenness in the people around me. Uh, look at a world that is filled with pain, uh, a world filled with suffering, and that the gospel of Jesus has been around for... 2,000 years and the world is still broken. Has God failed? Uh, Are his plans a kind of shipwreck? Has all his plans sort of run onto rocks? The idea that possibly God God's plan was failing and his word had failed seems to be operating in the minds of some believers um, that Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 9. Because in Romans 9, 6, it says, or Paul says, it is not as though God's word had failed. Because Paul's situation was that he had come to know and love Christ, um, but he'd seen that many of his people, his own Jewish people, had rejected, had rejected Christ, and it felt like uh, God was failing. He knew that God had create, called one man, Abraham, and that all the Israelites were descendants of Abraham. Abraham had had a son, Isaac. Isaac had had uh, a son, Jacob. And from that son, Jacob, came the 12 tribes that came to be known as the tribes of Israel. There was a great nation, a great nation that had come. 
And we saw last week that in the early parts of Romans 9 that this nation had incredible privileges given to them beyond any privileges of other nations of the world. Theirs was, theirs was the adoption to sonship. No other nation had, had received that, that privilege. Theirs was the divine glory. No other nation had seen the, 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 the manifestation of the glory of God shining. Theirs was the covenants, these precious promises and covenants that had been given to the people of Israel. They'd been given a law that set them apart from every other nation on earth. Theirs was the temple worship. And they, they, they had been given this beautiful, beautiful worship of God. They'd been given promises promises through the prophets of rich salvation and theirs were the patriarchs. They were given the patriarchs including David and Moses and Abraham and many others. And it says theirs was the human ancestry of the Messiah, Jesus. So this nation had had these incredible privileges but the problem was that when Jesus came as the fulfilment of all the other privileges, um, Jesus was rejected. The people of Israel rejected him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And so if the whole fulfilment of centuries and centuries of God's working resulted in a rejection of, of Jesus, isn't that a failure? Hasn't God's word failed? Hasn't this just been a total waste of time, a shipwreck of all God's plans? And that's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 9, this this question that lies behind his statement. Is, Is this a failure? Has the whole thing failed? God can't accomplish the salvation that he promised to his people. But Paul says, it's not as though God's word has failed. And he, he goes on to say, there's something that you don't understand if that's the way you think. There's a key here for understanding the work of God. God has not failed. In fact, he says, this is the key, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Israel is not Israel. Many people are rejecting Christ, but not everyone that you think is of as God's people are in fact God's people and when Jesus has appeared uh, it is revealing who are in fact Israel. So sure Abraham is the father of all the nation of Israel millions of them that the physical biological descendants of Abraham are Israel their their, their bloodline their DNA uh, yes that's Israel but Paul is saying that, in actual fact, within Israel there is a true spiritual Israel. Not all Israel is Israel. There is a difference. There is a distinction. 
So, so when you see people rejecting Jesus and rejecting the Messiah, it is revealing that, yes, there are some of Israel that are biological descendants, they're physical Israel, but not everyone is true and spiritual Israel. In fact, he goes on in the next three verses to give a proof of this. And he talks about Isaac. Listen to what he says. He says, on the contrary, it's through Isaac that your offering will be reckoned. In other words, it's not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it's the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I'll return and Sarah will have a son. What is so special uh, about Isaac? You know, in Genesis, uh, it's recorded that God had come to Abraham and he'd made a promise to Abraham. Whoops, Daisy. Um, God had come to Abraham and had made a promise to Abraham. And, and do you know what the promise was? He comes to Abraham, one man, there was no nation of Israel at all, just one man, and he comes with a promise to Abraham and he says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation and all the people of the earth are going to be blessed through you. By Genesis 15, Abraham is complaining to God and he says to God, knowing that he's very old, and time is running out and, and God's promise has not been fulfilled. And he, and he complains to God and he says that all he has is Eliezer, a slave to be his heir. He, he, he's been received this blessing that he's going to be a great nation, um, but nothing's happened. And in fact, he doesn't even have a son. His wife is barren. And God makes him another, another promise. He says, your very own son shall be your heir. Do you know when someone comes and makes you a promise, let's say, just imagine, someone comes and makes you a promise. There's two ways you can respond to that promise. You can believe the promise, believing that the person who made it is trustworthy, or you can reject the promise. So imagine a little girl on the second story of an apartment block and the apartment blocks are on fire. And there she is on the balcony. And her father, hearing about the fire, runs to the bottom of uh, the, the ground floor, sees his daughter up there and he says to the daughter, jump, I will catch you. Now there's a promise. Jump, I will catch you. <laughs> That's the promise. Now, she now has to make a decision whether she's going to believe that promise that has just come to her from her father, that he will catch her, <laughs> that he's trustworthy, that he's strong enough, that he's faithful enough, that, 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 he will, that he loves her enough, that he will catch her. Or she can decide, I don't think that he's any of those things. And I will just make my own way down through the fiery stairs and I'll try and accomplish my own salvation for myself. That's, that's her decision. Now Abraham is in a similar situation. 
He's got this promise that comes to him. He's one man. He's got no hope. Everything is hopeless for him. There's no future. There's no life. He hasn't got any sons. There's nothing. It, he's barren. There, there is just nothing ahead of him. But he's, all he's got is this promise. Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. That's all he's got as a promise. And the question then is, will Abraham believe the promise or will he make his own strategy for salvation? What does he do? Well, what he does is that he makes his own way. He, he, he thinks, well, my wife's very, very old. I know what I'll do. And he and Sarah agreed that um, what they would do is Abraham would sleep with Sarah's maidservant, Hagar. And so he does sleep with, his, uh, with Hagar, with Sarah's maidservant, and she has a son, Ishmael. And Abraham thought that now this son is the very thing that God needed to be able to accomplish his promises. God needed, <laughs> we've now got the son and God can now accomplish his, his promises. But in Genesis 17, when Abraham is 99 years old, God says, no, no way. <laughs> he he says, in actual fact, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. God says, no, I don't care what you've, you've strategized. I don't care what you've planned. I don't care what you've got up to. I my promise. I'm going to give you a son of, of the promise. And miraculously, Sarah conceives and has a son and names him Isaac. God is saying, by my sovereign power, by the power of my word, I will accomplish my purposes. So now Abraham has two sons, Ishmael. Ishmael represents um, the son of human accomplishment, the son of human effort, the son of human strategy, the son of natural purposes. But Abraham also has a son, Isaac, and Isaac is the fruit of the word of God, of the promise of God. Isaac is a miracle baby. And from that promise, the whole of the nation of Israel comes into existence. Now, Paul is saying that Israel can be conceived in that way. Not all Israel is Israel. Some people are merely biological descendants of Abraham, and that's all they are. But some are children of the promise. They're truly gods. They're owned by God. There's the physical Israel and then there's a spiritual Israel, the true Israel. One group is naturally born, but the other group is born through believing a promise, trusting a promise. Do you know this is true for us as well? It's true for us even today. 
that the birth of Isaac is a picture of everyone who is truly a child of God. The birth of Isaac is someone coming into existence spiritually. They, they, God brings about um, their existence through a promise, through a believing on his word. And what Paul is saying when he sees many people rejecting Jesus, he's saying many people, are Israel only by biology, by physical descent, they're not truly those of promise. They're not, they haven't believed the promise. They haven't loved God. They, haven't, they have not um, known a lodging of a promise in their hearts. What, I think it was Keith Green who made it very uh, famous. He says, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And, and that's, that's what this, you, 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 coming to physical church will not ever in a million years make you a Christian. <laughs> having Christian parents, having an uncle that was a pastor or a father that was um, uh, some spiritual person has no, that, that's not how you become a Christian. it's not by physical descent. It is a miracle. Anyone that is in the kingdom is a product of a miracle, a product of a promise. It's an amazing thing that each one of us brought into the true Israel of God, loved by God in Christ, are actually a fruit of God's miracle. Do you know when the angel came to Mary um, and said to Mary, Mary, you will have a son and you'll call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sin. Mary believed the promise. And when Jesus came and lived and died and rose in power, he is the fulfillment of every promise that God has held out to all humanity. Jesus is, in his death and in his rising, is holding out a promise to you. He's holding out a promise to me. He's holding out a promise to the world that anyone that would believe the promise of God in Christ would have that promise lodge in their hearts and suddenly they are made alive. Like, like totally alive. It is totally different from a physical birth. It is a being born again. Born again by the Spirit of God. And you will not live unless this promise, the promise of God in Christ, comes and lodges in your heart and makes you alive. It is fine to, to obey the Ten Commandments. They are good. They are beautiful. The Ten Commandments are beautiful. But they won't save you. It is good to do a lot of good things. They're great, but a lot of good things won't save you. You must be born of a promise. You must have the promise of God lodge in your heart and make you new. 
You, you must be hearing the promise of God from heaven. God, this is not a natural process. This is not a human strategy. This is nothing. This has to be the very word of God coming and so lodging in you that you are made new. And so in the gospel of Christ, in the message of the gospel of Christ, there is a proclamation that God has sent his son who has died on a cross and risen again in power and now anyone who would believe would live. We can come to to church for 50 years. We can do whatever, but... Um, the, the, pro, the promise, the making alive is through God giving us uh, his word and us believing on a promise. Do you know Christians are called believers? They're called believers. Why are Christians called believers? That's because we've received a promise. And anyone that's latched hold of that promise of God in Christ becomes a believer. You're made new. And that's what sets you apart is that you've now got a living promise living in your heart. It changes everything about how you live. We don't have to cocoon ourselves anymore about, oh, what about this danger? Or what about that? Or what? Because now we have the Lord himself by his living power living in us because we have latched on to and believed the promise. We are like that little girl. We've heard the father say, jump, (laughs) jump, jump, I will catch you. And we have said, I believe that promise. And we've thrown ourselves into the arms of God through the death and the resurrection of Christ. We've believed him. We're made new by him. God, by his sovereign power, is creating children. Not by biological means. That's good. But what God's children are children that are created purely supernaturally and by his sovereign promise. And when anyone hears that promise, they are made alive. One last thing. God's promise can never fail. God's God's word can never, ever, ever fail. When the the promise of God lodges in your heart, it is an invincible promise. Like it says, like Peter says, it is by the, you're born again by the imperishable word of God. When the word of God comes and lodges in your heart, it is imperishable. It doesn't matter what whether someone kills you, it doesn't matter if some disease gets hold of you, it doesn't matter one iota because the promise is imperishable. You could never die. When the promise of God is lodged in your heart, it's an imperishable word. And we are those that, are being, that have been born again and have been made new by a word that's imperishable. So I want you to be encouraged that the Lord will not drop you. His word will not fail for you. I don't know what challenges face you at the moment. I don't know what hardships and pain and difficulty are in your plate, what disappointments face you. I want you to know something that's invincible, and that is 
God's word of promise. He will not drop you. It will never, ever fail. His word will not fail. He will bring you um, inexorably, unquestionably into his kingdom, no matter what hardships or forces of darkness or internal pain that face you, God will carry you and he'll carry you all the way right into his arms and into salvation. His word will never fail and his promise is unbreakable and invincible for you, for you. Let me pray with you and we'll sing. Dear Father in heaven, uh, thank you for giving us a word of promise for us to believe, to trust. Thank you that your word would never, ever, ever in 10 billion, million years ever fail. And we are believers. We're believers in your promise. We're believers in your unbreakable, invincible promise for us. Lord, may we now live, help us to live, uh, knowing that you're our God, that you would never, ever drop us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.